The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss how one of the world's best recognized brands for marketers thinks about product launches. Joining us is Darcy Kurtz, who is the Vice President of Global Product Marketing at MailChimp, who last year announced their product expansion from being the world's easiest to use marketing services to an all-in-one marketing platform for growing businesses. And today, Darcy and I are going to talk about how she thinks you should get ready for your product launches. Okay. Here's my conversation with Darcy Kurtz, Vice President of Global Product Marketing at MailChimp. Darcy, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. Very excited to have you returning as our guest, and I'm very excited to talk to you a little bit about product launches. I feel like you're the world's expert in this. Not only do you work in product marketing, you do a lot of product launches yourself, but the company you work for also helps smaller brands, growing businesses, do their product launches Let's start off by talking a little bit about some of the work that you did last year. As MailChimp was thinking about expanding from being the email service that we all know and love to the all-in-one service that it is today, how did you think about your product launch and what were some of the steps that you went through to get ready to tell the world about what your new product lines were going to be and make sure that people started adopting them? It started actually a couple of years ago as we were talking to our customers and really trying to figure out what problems are we trying to solve? What's going on with you? How can we help you do more and better things? And what we heard repeatedly is they just needed help beyond email. They knew that email was really important. They loved the the way that we executed email but they wanted us to kind of sprinkle that MailChimp magic on all the other things that they were trying to do. And that really got us going. For me, product launches don't start once the product is getting close to being ready. It actually starts at the ideation stage. It's that getting to know your customers really, really well and understanding what problems they have, figuring out how you might be able to solve it. And that really is the beginning of your product launch process. So step one here is there's a research phase and using MailChimp as the example, you obviously had a well-established business and a customer base to listen to. You're getting feedback from your customers. You're building that viral loop of acquisition, activation, and then customer service, listening to your customers to figure out how you can continue to monetize that base. 
For smaller companies that don't have the infrastructure or for brands that are just starting and don't have a customer base to listen to, how do you advise that they think about the research phase and get the same valuable information from their customers or prospective customers that you were able to get from the people that are MailChimp users? We're definitely of the thought that it doesn't matter where you are in your process for starting your business or launching your new thing. You can always be talking to customers. You should be marketing from the second you have an idea. Kind of like what we did, we were talking to our customers and saying, what else can we do for you? If you have an idea of something that you want to create, it probably comes from some observation you've made about a need in the market, that there is something that is needed. So how do you go talk to people that have that need to understand very clearly what that product market fit is? We did a really interesting research study at the end of last year on kind of the small business creation. And one of the things that we heard was that people wait too late to start those conversations. But really, at the end of the day, what makes a business successful is can you figure out what that product market fit is? So starting to talk to customers from the second you have an idea of what a new product or solution might be to find out, is it real? Is that really a problem out there in the market? How big is the problem? Is it enough to actually build a whole product and a business around? Having those conversations and getting out there, whether it's through super formal research or just informally, as you start talking to people that you know that might have this problem, it's really, really important to start gathering that data from the second you have the idea about it. It's incredibly important advice. And I have a couple of antidotes based on what you've said. First off, I've made this mistake before. My first startup uh, was a guitar lesson startup called strumschool.com, meant to move the guitar lesson experience online. Instead of having a teacher visit you in person, that was going to happen digitally. And I went and met people and said, okay, what are all the problems that you have with guitar lessons? And people would tell me, you know, how the scheduling was difficult and how they didn't understand how to put their fingers on the guitar. And I learned a lot about guitar lessons. But what I didn't do was enough investigation on what people actually wanted from a digital experience. And that ended up sinking my battleship a year and a half later in tens of thousands of dollars. And on the flip side, when I started running my consulting business, the vast majority of the revenue that I generated as an independent consultant was talking to people about how to solve the problems that my clients wanted to solve. And this isn't a difficult process. I would charge tens of thousands of dollars for a brand survey. And all I was doing was going and finding 10 people that were relevant to a brand and interviewing them for 30 minutes to an hour, asking them about what is the problem that you have? Where do you look to solve it? What is the solution you're looking for? And what would you be willing to pay for it? And what's the right format for that? They're not complicated questions. So I really think that that research phase is like at least half the battle when you're getting up to launch. It really is. At the end of the day, the success or failure of your product is less about just the pure marketing. It really is. Is it something that people want? And then it's about how do you package that up in a relevant way for the customers to know that, okay, this is going to solve my problem. But if you don't understand who the customer is that's going to find value in it, it makes it really hard to have marketing that works well. Now, you mentioned product market fit, which is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot and people don't pay enough attention to what it actually means. And before you said, you know, how big is the problem? How many people have the problem? What's the revenue opportunity is one that people overlook. And then can you create a solution for a reasonable price that is actually going to help solve that problem? Once you feel like you have validation, right, you've done your homework and you have an understanding of what your addressable market is. 
What do you do to actually get up to the launch phase from a marketing perspective? So the next step is really about figuring out what your go-to-market strategy is. And for us, our very first thing is taking that information we know about who is the target or targets of this product. And what is the problem we're solving for each one of those different target markets and creating that messaging and positioning that's relevant for them. So we launched the all-in-one marketing platform. Right now we have 12 million users across the world, but all of them might be using it for different things. So we start to personalize it and say, how would a retail business need to use our product? How would a software company use our product? How would a tax consultant use our product? And start building out the relevant messaging and positioning for each one of those. For me, the number one thing for product marketing is getting that messaging and positioning really, really relevant for customers. And then from there, it's about how do you transpose that message into the go-to-market that you're actually doing through all the channels and take it out into the world. But spending that quality time up front to get your messaging and your positioning really tight can make all the downstream things much, much, much easier and effective. There's really a question of, you know, whether you call it targeting or segmentation or persona building or profiles. Us marketers like to rebrand things. And so it gets a million different names. But understanding who you're trying to reach and then breaking that group up into individual what I'll call segments and figuring out how your messaging needs to change to address the individual segments pain points is a very important process. What you're talking about is customer profiling and building your messaging stack. So once you've gone through the process of sort of universally addressing how big the problem you are, thinking about who you're trying to solve the problem for and understanding what you need to say to the individual groups and people, assuming that your product is being developed in parallel, what else do you need to do to get ready for your launch? After we have our messaging positioning for each of the different segments that we want to go after, we didn't talk about this, but naming is hugely important, right? What are you going to call the thing? And that really feeds into the messaging and positioning. So that's a key step. And then once we've got what's the name, what's the messaging and positioning, how are we going to price or promote this is another key piece that we have to put together. For us, it's a matter of, you know, is this something that we put into one of our existing bundles? Is this something that we sell standalone? Is this something that is important enough that you can create a whole new package for? So figuring out what's the right way to kind of monetize it into the marketplace is an important part of the go-to-market strategy. Price, packaging, positioning. Now we're getting into the four Ps of marketing, the sort of classic marketing problems that we all need to solve for every product and every product extension. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. 
To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. The thing that is always a question for me is how do you figure out what is a great idea or something where you have self-selection bias? When you're thinking about a name, hey, this is a great name. I love it, but I'm not necessarily representative of my entire customer base. Whether you're figuring out what the product pricing is, I'd be willing to pay $45 for this. Well, the market might only be willing to pay 20 or could be willing to pay 100 Are there ways that you can test and validate some of your assumptions when you're going through figuring out your pricing, your naming, you know, all the sort of customer-facing marketing aspects? Absolutely. So the naming and branding conundrum is one that every marketer has had to address, which is what rises to the occasion to really get its own brand? That might not just be a descriptive name, but it actually is some unique name that you want to trademark and that sort of thing. And for us, that's really, really important because if you're going to take the time to actually brand your new product, you better be willing to put the money and effort behind to build that brand versus leveraging a brand you already have and just descriptively naming it. So when we talk about new products that come out right now, we descriptively name and we would go test, certainly, does this descriptive name actually resonate with you? Do you understand what this is? Because that's really what we're trying to do as we launch new features and functionality and that sort of thing is we very much try to say it's email, it's social ads, it's postcards versus trying to create something that's more specialized or unique. Right. You get the .ios or the zooms or the whatever you put after a, a brand name that makes it sound techy or we get all of these funny little ways to name products and services and they don't actually say what it is. It's funny, the advice that I give to podcasters all of the time is don't name the podcast after yourself. People aren't looking for you. Name the podcast after what you're going to be talking about, hence the name The MarTech Podcast. We're going to talk about marketing and technology. And a lot of people are mostly in podcasts where it's like, hey, there might be other podcasts that talk about MarTech or have MarTech in the space. It's like, that's great. But people need to understand what your show is about. Naming can be very confusing, and sometimes you want to be very creative. Nobody knew what a Nike was before Nike was Nike. On the flip side, people look for MarTech podcasts, and they find my show. And so there are a couple different ways to approach branding and naming. One of the tools that I've used for naming, totally unpaid mention, they have no affiliation with the podcast, but I've used a service called Picky Domains, and it's a crowdsourcing service. You pay, I think it's 50 or or $100, and they will go and suggest names. They will crowdsource names, all of them with .com domains still available, and you could set parameters for, I want this many letters or this many words. It's a great service that I've used a couple times to figure out what a name for a product should be. Talk to me about some of the other tools and technologies that you're using for validation and just generally what's the tech stack look like for you when you're in the pre-launch phase? It's interesting that you say that, especially for our small business customers. We talk a lot about whether it's picking a name for your company when you're first starting or picking a name for a product. The world has changed dramatically over the last 30 years or so in that you can't just come up with what sounds good to you. 
the number one thing you have to do is go search and see is the .com available and is the social handle available. Those are the first two things you have to go do because the marketing of your product or your business is going to start with search and with social. And with those two things, knowing that you have a handle that people can easily find and that you can have a .com that's going to come up, I think are really important inputs into the naming and branding process. We also talk a lot about search. Organic search is so important, especially for small businesses that don't have millions of dollars or thousands of dollars to spend on paid media. You want to be able to come up when people type in whatever it is that you do. So having names that are going to organically start to rise to the top. You mentioned, you know, MarTech podcast. That's something that someone might actually be searching for, even if they don't know that your specific podcast exists. So looking at those sorts of things as triangulation of, is this a good name? Is this a good brand is really important, especially for small businesses that don't have a brand that's already going to lift them. You mentioned that MarTech podcast might be something that people are looking for. And I can tell you that there's over a hundred people a day that are looking for MarTech podcasts. And so naming something that has not only potential brand recognition, you can cover that with some of the creative and the marks that you're creating, but finding something that is searchable without creating its own brand, mostly for small businesses, has a lot of value. There's also the idea of, hey, you got to build all of your marketing assets before you get to launch. You got to build a logo, a website. You have to have email capabilities. Now we're getting into the sweet spot for MailChimp. Talk to me about some of the assets that you have to create to get ready to actually show your brand's public face. Well, the first thing you have to do is know what are the assets. So thinking through what does an integrated launch campaign look like? We feel very strongly, I personally feel extraordinarily strongly, that there's no one channel that you should use to get your word out. Having an integrated end-to-end campaign that all looks and feels and talks about the same things, you are going to boost your response rates and boost your conversions significantly with every channel that you add. So starting to think through, knowing who your target market is, where are all the places that they're going to look, and make a list and say, okay, then these are the kinds of assets that I have to create. So I need a digital ad. I need a social ad. I need an email. Maybe I do need a postcard. I need obviously to have a web page. Potentially I need a specialized landing page that takes someone from my ad or my social because my website itself, maybe it has more than one product. Maybe this is a second product or a third product that you're launching. So you want a landing page that's specifically about this new thing. So really planning is hugely important. You know, sit down and plan out what are all the assets that you think you might need. We also include things like content. Are you going to need something for a blog or something that you might be able to syndicate out there that will bring people in and really map all that out and then start building what I call a creative construct that you can use across all of them. So it looks and feels like the same campaign. And then you're just managing the messaging across them based on what the actual channel is. And that really should give you the most bang for the buck because we all know, we've heard the adage, people need to hear something at least seven times in less than so many days to be able to remember that they saw it. Well, if it looks different in every single channel, they're not going to have that recall that they've seen it. It looks like a new ad every time. So you're starting over at one. So the more that you can get it to look and feel like all the same campaign, that frequency with which they see your ads will start to resonate a whole lot faster. So I like What is all the stuff that we're going to do? What's the creative construct that we're going to use that sits around it? And then what's the specific messages for each one of the channels? And you kind of start building it out that way. 
Yeah, this is really where documentation becomes very important, right? Having a central hub to put, this is how we're describing our brand. This is how we're describing each individual product. This is what our logo should look like horizontally, vertically. Here are the colors that we use. Here's the rules and guidelines for all of the imagery and the style of imagery. Once you have all of that thought out, then actually going on to your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Quora, website, email, right? All of the individual pages and everything that you have to do, that stuff becomes much faster and much easier when all you're doing is repurposing the main core message. And obviously the context matters. You're going to frame, you know, how you describe your brand differently on your LinkedIn profile than you would on your Facebook profile. But having a central resource to look at and take something and basically be editing instead of creating constantly is a really, really valuable thing. You said it exactly right. And it's like having that core repository that you can start with. And then it's just editing out along the way. What we find, especially with small businesses, is that because we don't think about doing more than one thing, we are recreating the wheel with every channel that they're doing. And that's hard. We don't have time to do that. So doing a little pre-planning up front really makes a difference down the line. So Darcy, the last question I have for you before we let you go today is it's great to be able to create all these assets, build a beautiful website, have your emails ready, your launch announcements, your social handles, you get your messaging, you know, your product market fit. None of that matters if you don't know who you're trying to reach out to. Talk to me a little bit about how you think about list building and who you're actually thinking about sending your launch communication to. This is another thing, especially with small businesses that we tell them it's never too early to start. You don't have to wait to launch your business to start list building because the more personalized you can make your marketing, the more effective it's going to be. So from day one, if you've been out there talking with those people doing that research, that market research, are you capturing their name and their email so that once you are ready to go, you actually have a list going? For companies that already have a list, it's how do you then utilize that to do your marketing? So One of the things we've done with the MailChimp platform is we have something called a marketing CRM built in. And that's where you can have every single touch point with that customer. You can create tags and say, these are my customers that tend to buy online or they they come into the store. These are customers that like green pants. So they've got a green pant tag on them. Or these are people that tend to like household goods and they have a tag on them. And that way, when you're ready to launch something new, you already have a database with all of these, not just demographics, but also behavioral data around what have they actually done with you in the past. And it also captures all of your your marketing behavioral data. So are they more prone to open an email or to click on a social ad? And all that would be in there with tags that you could then say, okay, I want to go create a targeted communication to anybody that typically goes online, who has bought in the last six months, and who is most responsive to social ads. I'm going to create a social ad specifically for them and launch that out into the world. So having a list that you are constantly thinking about and not just waiting until, oh my gosh, I'm about to launch. I need to think about the list. It will make your life a whole lot easier. Fortunately for MailChimp, you have an incredible amount of data to understand who your customers are and what their experiences are and a marketing team that's very sophisticated and can do their homework. For brands that are just starting and that don't actually have you know, customers or data, the, the smallest of the small businesses, how do they think about list building? What are the tools they should use? It's a great question that we get a lot because it is hard, but this is where you definitely use your personal network reach out to the people that you know, friends and family, start getting the word out. 
We also highly recommend doing something like a landing page with a form fill so that as those people that you are starting to advocate to tell other people to go to your site, they can fill out a form and you can capture their data as well. So it's not just tell the people that you know, but how do you get them to tell other people to come to you and and get more data over time? I think that's great advice. It's something that I definitely use starting my consulting business and even launching the MarTech podcast here is when you're just starting from scratch, you have to start with the people you know. Yeah. You might not be able to build a list, right? But your personal network, your friends, your family will likely know someone that is a potential customer. So you get one launch announcement. You can share that message with the people that you know, that love you, that are willing to help you find your first customers. Then once you feel it, figure out who they are. They're a little easier to find. Darcy, I think that's great advice getting up to the point of launch. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Darcy Kurtz, Vice President of Global Product Marketing at MailChimp for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Darcy is going to tell us her advice for how you can make sure that you nail launch day and beyond. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Darcy, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Gizkur, G-I-Z-K-U-R. Or you could visit her company's website, which is, well, it's MailChimp.com. Just one link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to our website, martechpod.com, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D.com. We have summaries of all of our episodes, the contact information for our guests. You can sign up for our once a week newsletter to stay in touch with all the content that we produce. And you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can also reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much everywhere. And if you want to reach out to me directly, my handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Darcy Kurtz, Vice President of Global Product Marketing at MailChimp, we publish episodes every day. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.